All right, guys, this episode was very fresh. Max, thanks for coming on, buddy. We had a great time. Guys, tomorrow night, we have the Ted Jones Comedy Show at 116 East 16th Street at The Stand Comedy Club and Restaurant. It's going to be freaking lit, guys. Check the link in the description here and uh, get to that comedy show. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And I uh, can't wait to see you guys there, All right? Enjoy the episode. a lot more comfortable for me. Hey. Oh, yeah, dude. Now we're on the radio. Let's see your face. Okay, we're great. Go ahead, talk. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, talk. Oh, good? oh Teddy, Ted, we're John. Live? Yeah, we're live. All right, let's get into it. Okay. Yeah, look who's just sitting down. All right, now, perfect, dude. man. Look who's just sitting down. Perfect, now. bro. How are you? Max Mandigoff. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. Of course. Thanks for having so me. So you are taking City Bike. Basically no, everywhere. Not, just my own bike, dude. Oh, you have your own yeah, bike. Yeah, you got to ride in traffic. You so got to go fast. You like lock it up on the pole outside? Uh, yeah. I hope it doesn't get stolen. <laughs> Is this neighborhood okay? Yeah, Hopefully. Oh, we, we fucking fine. Have you done any jobs that like require a bike? Like, uh, I know you were lift. Nah, you were nah. doing lift driving Comedy, for a little I bit. Guess. Like it's just it's the easiest way to do it. Like you just spot, spot, spot. Yo, yesterday I biked to Broadway or whatever, like fifty third. And like 8th Avenue? Yo, that is deep. Yeah, it's definitely. Significant distance. But does that help you not take the subway at all? Like just being able to bike everywhere? Dude, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. You know, I want to hear something crazy. I just told Derek Drescher yesterday. I told him, I was like, yeah, because he has an in to run the New York City Marathon. I was like, oh, he's got the plug? Yeah. Good for you. Maybe you should. And it's also hard to get into it, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So like that's the next goal, I think. Like random, super random. Yeah. Like, yo, you played sports, you play tennis. Yeah. Do you not ever feel like you need like a physical feat? I mean, I need like, I need one constantly. But like, I need something. running a marathon, man, it's, it just seems like no one a else lot has of, done it though. Yeah. But a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I'm running the marathon. They don't train for it and they don't take it seriously. Are you, do you have like a goal? You're like under three and a half hours, something like that. Uh, I think I'm, tough. I'm probably going to aim for like two fifteen. Two. probably, yeah, I'm going to try to qualify for the Olympics. What? Dude, that's like seven minute miles. <laughs> if you do that, imagine. What? He ran He ran a full marathon. He was like, yo, you should do it. And so I was how like, does he, he has the plug now? Now he just knows the well, guy. Well, he used to be in like Mr. insane marathon. shape and like do stuff like that. And he's, I mean, he's obviously very old now. You know, he's, yeah. The so guys, let's start from the beginning, Max. The guy's old. Grew up in Queens. That's moved weird. to Manhattan when? Uh, last year. How's it been? It's whatever. I mean, I get to bike around the city. Yeah, that's great. I went from just being an out of shape guy who lived in Queens, you know, to like I'm running the New York City Marathon. <laughs> I'm a, a change. Do you have man, a roommate dude. over there? I have two. I live with two women. It's not good. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be dope. It's like I'm trying to think why it wouldn't be. They're uh, just messy, probably. And it's not that. It's just like completely different people. You know, like I'm a I'm a guy. I'm a 27 year old man, and they're a couple years younger than me, and women and best friends. So they, there's just like a different energy in the Are crew. they in comedy at all? No. Are they home a lot? Uh, I don't know. Corporate job. I've actually I've talked about this on stage, but like they move in the house like deer, dude. Like I never know when anyone's home when they're not home, and then randomly a door opens. I'm like, what? The, like, <laughs> like it's Are you like sharing a bathroom scary, with them too? Yeah. How is that? Uh, not that bad, man. Because I only shower once a week. Okay. But no, no. I shower, <laughs> I shower every day, but it's not that bad. Like you like we shower at the stand. Different schedules, yeah. Uh huh. I shower in the. You know the. Yo, dude. What up? Did you know that the the stand in like the private bathroom upstairs has like a pull down shower? If you look up on the ceiling. No. No, I'm kidding. It's oh, that's for, for like the lab <laughs> stuff. Just yeah. <laughs> you ever see those bathrooms? Yo, in Asia, that's how you shower. 
What, now we were just, just talking have a pool like, thing in the in the public bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. Like that you could you could shower or take a shit at the bathroom in Japan. Bro, let's talk about Asia. You love traveling, huh? I did, yeah. You did. What happened? I do. I don't know, man. I mean, bro, you you're going to San Diego. If I say I did, if I say I did, it will make me less sad that I don't get to do it, you know? Interesting. But I do love like I think it's like the coolest thing you could ever do. When you went to Asia, what kind of stuff were you doing? Um I don't know, fucking and traveling. Well, but you were how old though? No, nah, no, nah, I was I was just having fun. I was just traveling, bro. Uh I grabbed the backpack and I had like two pairs of shorts and then I was like, yeah, dude, let's go travel around the world. I was like, I've never done it. Careful, careful. I know, I know. So I'm holding the table. Uh, uh but you went there and it was just to backpack around kind of Eurasia, Asia. Uh, yeah. So I had a buddy. He was like, dude, if you're going to do this, like once in your life, like do it now. Like it's, just, it's kind of the same thing with like the marathon where I'm like, there's certain things in my life that I'm like, yeah, I don't know when I'll ever have a chance to do it again. Derek has a bid. I don't need to run 15 races to qualify. I just got to train for one, one big race. One thing that I'm like, this is like, so it could happen for you this November. I'm going to do it. This It's not could. I'm going to do you're it. You're doing it. Yeah. Starting probably, I'm probably going to train for about two weeks and then <laughs> I mean, but like you're biking up to Broadway and such, biking 10 plus miles so a day. So what I think easy, I'm going to try help. to do is like if I bike 20 miles a day, uh, like throughout the day. So like if I take a 10 mile bike ride and then I usually do 10 miles for like spots like at night, like if I go to Broadway and back, that's like eight already. Yeah. So like the miles that you add up are so quick that I'm like, if I just take like a 10 mile bike ride, probably takes me like 40 minutes a day, do it nice and early in the morning. Good. I'll be fine. Well, you can also fly up the FDR drive. That's like a, I don't like that man. Cause there's people like, way. I like going fast. Well, I if like you go, like if you go early, I feel like it would be better. What do you mean? Like if you went early, probably wouldn't be as much traffic. You spend over to any time at Waterside Plaza over there. You familiar with Waterside Plaza? No. People really don't know about it. It's just like a nice area over by the water near where you. But how live. many miles do you have? Do you have like three miles to like? Yeah. That's the thing is everything in New York true. is so small. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need space. I just have to bike down like a street. Yeah. Or like West Side Highway. You can kind of fly up all the way up to, I guess, the Bronx and then all the way down to the Freedom. But even there, That's it's a like, good so ride. I've biked by like Chelsea and like yeah. they have like those divider poles. Yeah, you got to go like early, mad people like running saying. and also biking and all that. And I was like, there's just a lot of people here. I'm like, well, at least with cars, like I don't have to worry about people. And I know that doesn't even make sense, but like, <laughs> do you have a biking outfit? People you go have like mad slow. This sleek I go with stuff. this, dude. Like, yeah. Even, just, even when you're doing the serious biking, yeah, like yeah. 20 miles and such. Yeah. What's the furthest bike ride you've done? Probably like 30. And where would that be to and back? Just up and down Manhattan. And you do that just for fun? I've done it just for fun, yeah. Anyone bike with you? Well, like, I'll throw on bike so like, I use it as like, I use biking almost like meditation. Therapeutic, right? Okay, I'll just throw on like something that I need to listen to. I'm like a memo, a joke, something that I want to like work on my own shit. And then I just go for a long bike ride. And then while I'm biking, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I should add this, play with this. Do you ever bike with somebody else or usually just do it solo? I don't, dude, I don't think you should ever exercise with anyone else. That's like how I feel when I run. You're like, I don't run with music anymore. Like there was a time when I would have my big beats headphones and my phone in my pocket and my keys, you know, Mm. clanking. And then I just realized it was so much nicer to like run down on the West side on the river or over there on the East side. I just run slow. You're like competitive though. Like you played sports. Yeah. That's the other thing. So it's like, I can't run with someone else because in my head, I'm like, if they start like pushing pace, I'm going to keep up with them. It's not even just keep up. It's like, I'm going to still, I'm going to keep up. And then I'm also going to want to go past them. Obviously if you like run marathons, I'm just trying to keep up. But like, if you're just like a normal person that like I'm running with, I'm like, most likely I'm going to outrun you. Do you play sports in high school? Baseball. Where did you go to high school? school? Queensvoke. 
So I chose tennis over baseball when I was 12 years old. I won Peter Sivas in Little League. I told you I worked at the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah. We were like the same people, but we chose different rounds. (laughs) Yeah, dude. But like I won Little League MVP. And then that week I decided tennis camp. Looking back, I was like, why did I do that? But I just liked the individual sports. I didn't like when other people were missing pop were you like a jock though like what was your like sport life like you were like i'm out uh, here was, fucking these i was like yeah bro I'm like really? eighth grade was it the eighth grade that he was, was out here piping so down bitches in eighth grade not piping down but like it started like kissing flirtings were yeah were like, all the time I'm i was grinding all these bitches. yes dude grinding slow dancing that was me eighth uh, grade so haven't hit my peak in adult life yet but we'll see man we'll see growing up in the city i also feel like I grew up slightly faster. Like I was allowed to do things that maybe kids who grew up in the suburbs weren't allowed to do quite yet. Like being 14 years old, traveling the subway system, like by myself, which I'm sure you were doing when you were 14, but like 14 year olds in the suburbs, they were getting picked up by their parents, you know, from parties at 11 PM. They weren't like taking Ubers and stuff like that. So growing up these days, it's a lot different because it almost feels like kids these days are growing up faster with the phones. They have access to anything on the internet. But like when we were growing up, it was like, I don't know. We kind of just stayed in our neighborhood. I don't know kind of yeah. how, how you felt about that. Well, like you kind of stayed at like zone schools. I mean, I don't know how it was like anywhere you live, but like my middle school was two blocks away. Then yeah, my high school is a little too. further, but like now you're in high school. So yeah, like, I grew up like two blocks away from my middle school. Yeah. And we then, definitely had a stalker too. Like we had like people on our blocks and like we would call my mom and be like, this guy's following us. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Wait, they like grew up in your neighborhood or they were just weird people who lived in the dude, area? Like stalkers. Like I'm talking like dudes who would like look at kids. And, like, I had friends who were, like, girl. Like, we all, like, lived in the neighborhood. So, like, best friends would be, like, yo, there's a stalker that lives on this block. We don't go down that Jeez. block anymore. So, do you grow up with the same people that you went to, like, elementary school, middle school, and high school with? Uh, no. Actually, all of our friends went to, like, different schools. We all just, like, lived next to each other. So, like, everybody grew up on the block. We were, like, eight years old when we all met. And then we just, like, would play sports on, like, the sidewalk. Play, like, baseball, football, basketball. Like, all my friends, they went to different schools. And then we all just kind of grew up on the block. It literally was, it was insane. Did you guys have a football team in high school? No. Oh. Like, but like our childhood in regards to like the amount of people that we grew up with, like on the same block, the fact that there was like 12 kids that were the same age on the same block. Yeah, that's nice. And all of us grew up together, like best friends. Like Dude, we that's all, really weird because that's kind of how I grew up. Like I, they, I grew up on 18th Street. It felt Street. like a cul-de-sac. They we were, were like, in Astoria. Yeah, there were like eight kids on my block who all went to the same school. Kind of weird doing Did, that. But were you like friends with them though? Like, yeah, just, kind of. Not like, like, yeah, it. not fully tight with them. But you're still friends <laughs> yeah. with all these people who grew up on your like, block. Um, these are like my brothers. Oh, nice. Yeah. And your family still lives there? Uh, no, absolutely not. No. Yeah, they left when I. So I went to San Diego. You already know that, right? Yeah. I went to talk San Diego about when I was that. Twenty-one. Uh, Why? And then I just I graduated. I was like, let's go do some shit. Where'd you graduate from? Uh, farming though. And you went out there to pursue engineering, what? mechanical engineering. Oh wow. Bro, Wild, that's dude. that's no a crazy yeah, profession. Yeah, yeah. I don't like tell anybody. I, like, I worked in aerospace for a little bit. It was cool, it was whatever. But I just I wasn't fulfilled. I hated it. Like I just didn't like the people I worked with, the job. The what whole was thing. your What was your thought process in moving out to San Diego to do that? I mean, you were young. You didn't know anything. Yeah, I was twenty one. But besides that, what was your kind of? I was always just like very independent. Though I was like, I'm just gonna make decisions based on like what I want to do right now. Like I don't overthink things. I just live my life in regards to like what do I want right now and like what's the grand goal. Like the goal was always like make a fuckload of money and figure life out, like have a happy family and live. And for me, I was like, oh, engineering is that. And then I got into engineering and I was like, okay, I can make a fuckload of money. I was like, but I hate what I do. Did you have to go to school beyond that? Like once you first started your job? When I, you were I was going to get my master's in Israel, which is oh, crazy. Dude, let's yeah. go. I love Israel. I went there for birthright yeah. and I went there previously before I, that. Some I of the best times of my life. I went there for birthright. And then they told me after birthright, they were like, yo, you should come back. Bro, I'm you're like, Jewish? Yeah. 
Me too, man. Nice. Shabbat shalom. Jew gang, dude. Dude, that's hilarious. I didn't know but that. They were like, uh, come back, like do your environmental engineering, like full scholarship, but you have to live here for two years after. So they were like, you have to live your next four years of your life in Israel. And I was like, I'm not ready to commit to that. It's also because like if you committed to these four years, like you have to kind of look beyond that. You know, it's like somebody who's in medical school, school they're like, okay, I know that these four years are going to be tough as shit, but I'm looking forward to being a doctor at the end. Like well, if you were to have yeah. to be in the school for four years and then after that you were an engineer, you're like, I don't fuck with that. Yeah. What was your long-term thought process getting into entertainment? How did that start? Nah, that was like random. I just like, I was running a podcast with a buddy called like the Oddly Relatable and we would like pull people off the streets and just talk to them. And uh, like literally like off the streets. It was like, we'd just speak to people outside and then the people with like the coolest jobs would be like, yo, you want to come do a podcast? And then we'd only like stay in contact with a couple of them. But I had like, I don't know, sex workers like off the street come in. Like I had like, it was like, the thing is we were interviewing like wild people. Like I would just like walk down the street and speak to like, like I, there was this guy, uh, I have his name like on, on my Facebook. He never did the podcast, but he was just the guy on the street who was like homeless downtown one night and we were walking by him and he was like, help me out, man, please. Like I'm homeless. He's like, and today's my birthday. And we just walked by him and in my head, I was like, why would someone lie about that? I'm like, that'd be a wild lie. So I like walk up to him and I was like, yo, is today really your birthday? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, here's 20 bucks, dude. I was like, go get yourself a burger. I was like, get off the streets. I was like, happy birthday. Like, go enjoy it. And he was like, oh, thank you so much, man. And I was like, do you have a Facebook? And he was like, yeah. I was like, let's stay in contact. I was like, let me know when you get off the streets. He told me his wife left him. He's like, I've only been on the streets for like three days. He's like, but like, I'm really struggling right now. And I was like, all right, connect with me on Facebook. And when everything works out, I was like, let me know. And this dude messaged me on Facebook like two months later. And he goes, hey, Max, I'm living in Arizona now. Life's good. Got me a new lady. Big butt. He's a big butt. <laughs> was this when you were in San Diego? Also, huh? you were in San Diego at this time. Yeah, when I was you in met San him? Diego. Yeah, and then uh, I, I thought about like coming and like bringing that dude onto the pod, and because I was like, he was like another dude that I had like just met on the street, you know. And I we never like were able to like arrange to whatever, but he had hit me up a couple times since, and was just like, oh, how's everything? Like, I'm doing well now, you know. Like, how about you? How's this? You're going like, to see him at a show moving. eventually when you make Dude, it out to Arizona? Dude, one day in life, I'm going to fucking be will. It's in my Facebook messages. Like, I can't even see, uh, like, I don't know his name, but it's, if I just scroll through, it's somewhere. Like, this was maybe four years ago when we were doing the pod. And, like, I remember that specific guy. Like, obviously, we've had, like, other interviews. Yeah, we had strippers come in that, like, would tell us, like, how they <laughs> play do the strip clubs. And I was like, this is <laughs> How? Fun. What was the kind of stuff they would do? Uh, play dudes. Like, they'd be like, ooh, you look like you have a lot of money. Nah, complete opposite. They walk up to the tables. They'd be like, yo, y'all broke? And the, the guys oh, would be like, hell no. Like, shit. They'd play the other game where yeah. she was, like, almost calling them pussy. Like, she'd walk up to, like, tables and she was like, y'all really don't have drinks? Like, you don't have $20 to give me right now. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, there'd be, like, $40 on the table. And she's like... <laughs> That's all y'all brought. Like she would like play dudes, make them like pull out money. She told me one time, she was like, yo, I, I took this guy back to like this back room. And the guy was like, how much is a, how much is a lap dance? And she goes, how much you got? And he pulls out 300. She pulls, she takes a 300 from his hand. She's like, that's how much. And then he goes, Damn. he goes, wait, he's like, I need money for lunch. She'd pull out $40, gave it to him. She's like, that's lunch. And then gave him a lap dance. I was like, yo, that's the toughest shit ever. Damn, that's San Diego. He pulled 260 out of his hands. Yeah. Like the people we would meet on the streets and then just get to 
podcast and talk to. I was like, this is crazy, dude. And then I ended up getting into comedy after. When I was a freshman and sophomore in high school, my tennis coach actually lived in Carlsbad. So Mm -hmm. I spent a ton of time out in California. This is when I went to like the performing arts high school where they would give me extra time to go like to tournaments or I'd go and train in Carlsbad, La Jolla, places like that. But that's crazy that you spent all that time there as well as I did. They have the nicest weather in the country. Apparently. I mean, that's the thing though. It's like, it's hard for people to be sad. And like, not that like you need like sadness for comedy, but like you wanted like so perspective. You, be, you also want to be outside. Well, I just think like no, 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 not inside. Sorry. Well, just like you got to go somewhere where like the best in the world are. Whereas like there's some sort of conflict. Like you have to live in conflict. And I know it's like weird, but like I think living in a place of chaos, your life can be okay. But living in a place where other chaos happens around you, like it's almost like inspirational. It's weird, but like. In San Diego, everything's perfect. Like, I can't even explain that any better than that. But it's like, life is good. Like, every day You work at a surf shop from 9 to 2, and then you go catch high tide at 3. Yeah. And you go home, and you and you know the local guy who gives you an acai bowl for dinner. And you're like, <laughs> what, <laughs> what kind of yeah, fucking life is uh, People are like, I'm going to go do comedy after. So I'm like, I had a good day. How did you, <laughs> how did you get into comedy? Like literally that. It. So it was like the podcast and then uh, like after just meeting so many like crazy people because you meet so many like normal people and then there's like a couple of just like insane people that you meet like on the streets and like they end up being very interesting and like there's so much like life in every single person, you know, like you'll meet a 40 year old person thinking that they had just have their life together. They're leaving Trader Joe's and you're like, hey, well, like, how was your life? And someone's like, I was in prison for 12 years and you're like, oh, fuck, like. You never know like what someone's lived. So like meeting those like random people in San Diego in this place of like perfection, I was like, yeah, I kind of like this, like dissecting. And then I've always loved comedy and I was like, let me just try it. You and did any sort of out there? Huh? You started out there in San Diego? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it started because like I was like interviewing people and then finally I interviewed like a comic and then I also spoke to Neil Brennan at a bar one time and Neil was like, yo, you and your buddy should give each other $300 and whoever doesn't do an open mic owes the other one 300 And I was like, that's fire. And so like we shook on it like in front of Neil and then within a, like a month I went up my buddy never paid me but like I started and never stopped and now it's just been doing it had you transferred to New York pretty easily though? I'm from here so like I just what, came what was, the, what was, was like, the first kind of stuff you were doing here a like, comedy yeah oh I ran like warehouse shows and shit that was like the street talk stuff I was doing and that well I, for the most part you kind of started that like a couple of years ago right but was it like unofficially street talk comedy years before that no no it was like it was street talk from two years ago. Like I had even like done mm-hmm. shows before that, but they were always just like one offs or something. Like so, I had done like, for example, like I used to do a show called comedy for cancer. So mm-hmm. my mom had cancer and this year's going to be the fourth and that we do in December. But when it first started, we didn't even have street talk. It was like three and a half years ago. I'm like, I did a show and I was like, yeah, let's raise some money for my mom's medical bills. And we did the show and a fuckload of people came out and we ended up making like, I don't know, $1,700. And that was like the first time that like I did a show that I was like, Oh shit. Like you can make some money for like a good cause, like, but you can make some money for you too. It's like, you could do this overall. Like, and I kind of figured it out. I was like, okay, like I could be out here begging for spots and asking for spots, or I could just make my own shit survive while everybody has to work a job. And I'm like, I'm running my own show and I get to do comedy like full time and figure it out. And I think like the more time you can invest into something, the better you'll get at it. So I was like the second I had unemployment that I could collect plus run my own show. Plus like live in a basement that was Costing me almost nothing. Like everything was going back into comedy and the shows. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Max runs a, bro, I'm going to say international show at this point. Street Talk Comedy. His next two dates are in Toronto soon. In San Diego, Diego, July 13th. 13th, And LA. LA 13th. LA, July 13th. San San Diego, Diego, July 13th. 
14th and then uh back in the city here on july 30th so you guys need to catch a show it's amazing bro i've not been to a show yet i need to these events look sick so how do you go about finding venues for street talk comedy because uh for the most part it's byob right speak to people i just ask them i'm just like hey dude like can i but you reach out to people who have backgrounds in like the art industry who would have warehouses how do you kind of reach out to to specific people yeah i just like Post on Instagram. I'm like, yo, does anyone know a cool spot? And someone's like, my brother's uncle's father owns a dance studio with, a, you know, like type shit. And you're like, okay, I'm in. Like, send me his info. And then I'll just send them. And I'm like, hey, I'll give you this much money for this much time. And most people are always like, yeah, I want money. Like, I see, I see like this whole industry. I forgot who I spoke to about. It might have been a comic, but I like they asked me about like getting spots in the city and like how hard it is. Obviously, like when you first move here, you're like, how do you meet people? They weren't from the city. No, like they came from like L.A. And they're like, how do you do it? And I was like, yo, you got to like offer shit before you ask for shit. Like you can't just show up to a city and be like, yo, can I get like a spot in every single show? It's like, bro, nah, have a show. Put a bunch of people on, like give a bunch of people, but like also do it for like your friends. But like in the beginning, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to put like the big dogs on. Like everybody's trying to fucking work. Like I had. I don't want to like name drop people, but like I had like a bunch of big names like pull up to the show when I first got to New York and I was like, okay, this is, this is a good way to like get my fucking name out there. And honestly though, like I was bombing in front of these people at first, but it's more about like, I'm just getting to work with them. And then I would bomb, bomb, bomb. Cause we only got to do comedy once every like two weeks, like during COVID it's like, you're only doing comedy like twice a week. Yeah. If that, then maybe you'd be on zoom probably. I was so slow. And we just went from like a drought of like barely even doing it for like six months. So I was like, okay, like everybody's rusty as fuck. Like the big dogs, obviously like they're getting more spots. So like they're getting back into it easier. But like us, we were like going out there with like brand new premises every two weeks. Like literally something I've never even said out loud, like open mic shit, you know? But you were like, this is the only place I could do this. So I was like, I want to do open mic shit in front of a hundred people. Yeah, especially when it's like your show and like yeah. you're supposed to be the big dog. People and you are have to like fire away just, and like go, do amazing up there. Dude, I know. I think it's the opposite. Like, no, no, but saying, but like your mindset, weren't you thinking like, oh, I have to do amazing up there because it's nah, your show? Nah, I you saw were? it as like, let me grow. Like, let me just like try and fail. And like, these are like the big dogs. So for me, I was like, if I get to study them and watch them and like how they cultivate their jokes and then I keep trying new shit, it's like, this is only going to help me. Like, the day of shit obviously sucks because, like, you go home and you're like, oh, that set didn't go as well as it could have. But, like, you don't got to come out with all your A material every time. Like, those people have now seen it. They come back. We have regulars. So it's like, if you've already seen this material, comedy's best for strangers. I'm not going to keep doing the same material. So I'd pull up with, like, brand new shit every two weeks. And it was like, oh, this is eating it. This is eating it. This is eating it. How, you do, you set, how do you set up the... Like the chairs, the lighting, like with for, it to, to, for it to be like up to your standard though. Like, are you bringing in no 50 standard. to a hundred seats every show? Uh, like literal chairs. I mean, I, I mean, I literally pick up the chairs like right before the shows and then I like load them in my car. I usually fit anywhere from like 70 to a hundred chairs in my car, barely, but I fit them. And then I'll just like drive and unload the whole car with like all the equipment. Do you have a venue it's for literally pop-up shows? Do you like, have a venue for the end of July yet? You're figuring out. Uh, I'm going to do this outdoor venue in LES. Yeah. 
We just did a show there kind of recently. It was sick as fuck. Which show has been the best? One in New York City or like outside, outside like Texas? Uh, best is, I don't know. Best is kind of hard because like we've just like done a lot of cool Most shows. Most fun for you. Yeah, but I would say like the biggest, like something that was like a cool accomplishment is like we did like a 140 person show Damn. in San Diego in like a boxing ring. And like the boxing ring was like the stage. Oh, I, I remember seeing and that, And I hosted bro. it and I was just like, this is nuts, man. Like I just remember being on like the stage. Like the stage, like it was just all around. Yeah, you were just like, like setting circling. up the lights on the stage. Like, set, like I set up everything like i didn't have anyone there and i set up this giant fucking show in a boxing gym and 140 people showed up and then i hosted the fuck out of it. how do you get word out about that just friends word telling of friends, mouth telling friends telling friends and san diego you were in for a good enough time you felt like you made a good amount of friends over there yeah i was there for like four years so like my friends will tell their friends and then tell their friends and then like i'll drop off flyers stickers ads you could do instagram shit like everywhere how much stand-up were you able to do though in, in san diego over those mm. four years a lot like yeah you could get up a lot there's six clubs now in the city like i think there was only four when i was it yeah like four or five one of them came what's the big one over there uh there's a couple there's like la jolla comedy store i think that's what that's the one i was there's thinking like of. american comedy Co. okay don't go there um <laughs> madhouse is fire and then like one mic drop and a couple were you, of were you driving all of it were you driving all over the place though in san diego yeah you have to but like you get places in like 15 minutes dude like it was like life was like i said life is too easy there i was like i'm gonna go back to chaos i was like i need to be around fucking sirens you know yeah, like, i, I want to be around like someone screaming for their life love like that, i love man. it like you if you ever go sit in washington square park and just people watch oh my it's beautiful god dude. Dude. i love it Especially like growing up here, man, I cannot see being anywhere that's even half as slow as this. Like I go to LA, I'm there for five or six nights. I'm like, all right, I got to get back to New York. Yeah, it's too slow. Why here. is no one walking on the street? Yeah, You're man. Like, this is weird. And also in New York, you can do so many things in a day. You know, you can really get to three or four spots in a night. Yeah. You can record a podcast. You can get work done just because everything is so accessible. Yeah. I feel like. And when you're in San Diego, you have a night, a bender, you're drinking, you got to take an Uber home, then come back the next day, pick up your car or something like so that. Wait, so I need to know this. Like, what's your life Let's like? hear it, so bro. you went from like tennis to yeah. f- what? All right. So um, I- There's like a gap in your life. So I, I, went to, I went to school at Friends Seminary, which is over okay. by the sand, if you're familiar, 17th okay. and 3rd. Grew up on 18th between 2nd and 3rd. So I went there from kindergarten through 8th grade. Then 9th grade, I was homeschooled for tennis was traveling the country, playing tennis tournaments. I uh, was like privately tutored from like 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., five days a week. So that was like my school for ninth grade. Then in 10th grade, I went to professional children's school, which is the performing arts school I was telling you about. Actors, singers, dancers, models, anyone who needed any sort of like extra time. If I were to leave on Thursday night, go to a tennis tournament in Florida, they'd send me the homework for Friday. I'd come back on Monday. I'd take the test. So That's when... Like fairly, By the way, fairly solid synopsis of your life so far. Well, dude, I've told it so many freaking times, bro. So seventh grade... <laughs> but I, you got to figure it out. Yeah, 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 of course. So seventh grade, I uh, had my bar mitzvah. That was fresh. And that was like a that was like a moment where I was like, okay, baseball or tennis, like I was telling you initially, yeah. decided to take tennis fully. And like when I made the decision to be homeschooled, I had thought that I may play pro tennis. Like, that's why I wanted to be homeschooled. But then sophomore year came around. I was like, okay, this is probably not going to happen. I went to a regular performing arts school, uh, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. And then I played tennis 
on the tennis team at UConn for two and a half years. I stopped doing that just because like I was not able UConn's to do anything. D1 though, right? Yeah. So, so I, I see almost D1 is like as close as you can get to the pros. Yeah. Obviously without playing pro. Sure. So why do you think you couldn't make it and then you made it? It's D1 different now? in tennis. Like really? by the time you're 18 and 19 years old, if you're you not going pro, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a whole step level down. Like even if you're number one in the country and you play for USC, the chances of you being top 100 in the world are maybe 5%. It's yeah. crazy. Like the best college tennis player of all time, C.B. Johnson, he won the team title at USC four years in a row and the individual title two years in a row. He won 72 matches in a row. He can't crack the top 20 in the world. Like he was 25 in the world for a little bit, but it's just so different in tennis just because tennis is not like people don't run to the United States to play tennis like they do for uh, football or basketball. Yeah. yeah. You know, you it's like dudes tennis like everywhere. Nadal, you got, yeah. Federer, you got guys going yeah. to um, Mallorca to go train at Nadal's tennis Academy. So you have people all over the world in tennis. So like once you hit a certain age, if you're not blowing people off the court with a big forehand, big serve or like, Oh, you see this guy, he could potentially be top 10 in the world, whatever. It's not going to happen. Like tennis is just so different. So once I made the decision to go to ten, uh, to UConn, it was kind of decided right there. I was going to be playing tennis in college. And the thing was at UConn, we were by no means a top 25 school. You know, we weren't like a Louisville, Clemson, UNC, Duke, U Miami type of place where you can kind of play outdoors a lot. Like we were playing in the dead of winter blizzards in tennis bubbles. So like our tennis team, it was tough to compete against those schools in the SEC um, big 10 schools like that. So we were around like 50 or 60 in the country and we were solid. So I played on that tennis team for two and a half years. And during that time it was like so much of the tennis activity just took over my life in college. Like I wasn't able to do anything. It was yeah. like 20 hours a week that was dedicated to tennis. And then on top of that, we were traveling on the weekend. So two and a half years playing tennis, I retired from the tennis team, started taking acting, drama classes, whatever. I wrote a movie script about this guy, Ryan Leaf. If you're familiar with Ryan Leaf, he was the yeah. second pick, second overall pick behind Peyton Manning in the 1998 NFL draft. And he turned out to be a bust. Like they were considered to be um, equal. Like, like either one, one of them could be, yeah, yeah. could have been great. Uh, but Ryan Leaf went to the San Diego Chargers, started to have drug problems. And I wrote like a whole 120 page movie script about this guy. So that took up my time for like a year and a half in college. Like I was just writing that for fun. Gone out of college. I didn't have any prospects for jobs. And my dad was like, we need a property manager at the company. Do you want to come join? The job was given to me on a platter. So I'm 23 years old, didn't have a job summer going into September being 23 years old, first year out of college. I took the job. And then from that point, it was looking like I was going to take over the company but like year four kind of came and I was like, I really am not into this. Started my podcast. And throughout this whole time that I was working How long have you been doing this? at my dad's company, uh, three years in August. Okay. But the time that I was working at my dad's company, like I would follow Julio, Julio Gallerati, who you guys obviously know. I'd follow him around to shows weekly. Like I'd be going to like three or four of his shows just consistently, like per week, just yeah. like going and having fun. And I met all these people, you know, who still do comedy, but like yeah. I never really had like, the chutzpah, as the us itch, Jews would say, like to like go to up. It, yeah, yeah, like I did improv for years. You can see that I have that uh, the Herald thing on my refrigerator. I did UCB for like four years and I was super into improv. And then the pandemic came and I just wanted to. Jeez, that's extremely loud. My bad. That's my phone. Potential spam. Does that happen to you? Yeah. All the friggin' time. Anyway, so I was doing improv. Pandemic came. 
so the year four, I was thinking like I wanted to kind of just try comedy more full time. I was telling my dad that I probably was going to quit the company. Pandemic happened. Then I ended up spending like another year and a half in my dad's company and then just started doing the podcast, the vlog and uh, producing the comedy but show. What else do you time. do? Like what? Like obviously comedy is the thing, but yes. I also see comedy as like it's a job. Like at yeah. one point it becomes a job. Absolutely. And like it could, it could be a fun job, but it's still a job. So it's like, what do you do though? Like, like strictly leisure. Like what's like a fun thing? In, like, for example, like I said, like, I love biking through the street. I play yeah. softball on the weekend. I like working out, bro. I like working out. Um, yeah, I'm in the gym probably I'm so bored of five or out, six though. days a week. Like I just run lifting? a little bit. Just sitting there and lifting? Lifting and running, yeah. I, I like doing that. that. I, don't, I don't understand. Like, well, how I think it, kind, it kind of brings the same meditation as you'd say, like, when you bike. You know, you're kind of not thinking about much. You, kind of, you know what you need to do. I'm like, okay, four sets of shoulder press right now. I don't really need to think that much. All I need to do is push. You know, so in my okay. head, I'm kind of like, all right, this this is what I need to do. This is what I need to kind of focus on. And I'll just allow myself to do that. But like, wouldn't you rather go like do something that's like, like I like active things. For example, like I don't feel like I worked out if I don't sweat. I like so playing like, tennis, but it's tough in New York City, as you can kind of imagine. Like you, can, you can even go like box or something. Like, that's true. But like I like in a boxing you don't class. Like punching people in the face. Eh, I'm not really a fighter, bro. Have you gotten a lot of fights? Maybe I've, you're I've, an intimidating looking guy. I can no, see that. No, I'm not, I feel like I'm not intimidating, which is you, why, bro. You are intimidating, no, man. People, look at this guy. No, people, people look at me immediately when I go out and they're like, that yeah. guy is pussy. Like, that guy <laughs> Dude, no shot. Max and I became tight like a month ago. Before that, I was just like, damn, Max is just like all business. He's here. He knows what he wants. Not intimidating in a bad way, though. No, but that's what I mean. Like, I definitely look pussy. No, you don't, dude. Yeah, Are you sure. kidding? Yeah, you know, I have people come up to me in bars, like, for no reason, wanting to fight, and they're like five, Bro. six. Bro. And I'm like, that's crazy that this guy came up to me. And was like, <laughs> the five, six guys? Yo, it happens. You look like all you can take. No, but you look like you can take just about anyone, bro. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I'd fuck up a guy who's five, six. Maybe you have like the, the emotions are ready to go. Yeah, but the fact that it's like, like that guy looked around the bar and was like, I could, I could take that <laughs> He's guy. He's looking for the yeah. best looking <laughs> guy <laughs> there. He's like, we're either going to fuck or I'm going to beat you up. You're like, all right, well, I'm going to beat your ass. Yeah. I'm not fucking anyone in here. And I'm vegan too, bro. So my, my hunger. Testosterone is down. And I was going to say my, my hunger pleasure used to be I'll like eat a steak and fuck. And I'll shit. eat a steak fucking fight. Like all in one day. Your steak guy? Yeah. When's the last time you had a steak? Today. What? No. For lunch? Yeah, I asked no. you what you had for lunch. You didn't. You didn't LSD, say. I told you. Oh. Straight off the tab. Straight off. You smoke weed too. Everybody tells me to like, oh, you should eat more. I'm like, what if you just take LSD and forget to eat? Why would they yeah. say eat more? What if I just yeah, walk around good. the city? Completely? You're just eating LSD. What if I just lose everything, you know, go homeless? and? What did I just ask before that? Uh, if I'm a big steak guy. Yeah, are you? And then you actually asked me about weed right after. That's what I was wondering. I do smoke weed. Right? <laughs> well, like, I forgot I that. didn't take LSD, but for sure I smoked a little bit of weed today. All right. Me too. But it's like a chill thing, you know? Like, yeah, I, I, like I, know. I wake up, I'm like, I'm going to smoke. A one hitter, and then like I'll take a walk, and I'll listen to my music, go get a coffee, and then I'll do some writing. Like, do you smoke before you go on stage? No, I see you drink though before sober. you go on stage. I, like, Sometimes, but, like, but by drink, it's like I show up and I'm like, let me get a whiskey sour. Yeah, and then I'll just hold on to that whiskey sour, and then like once my night is over, I'm like, maybe I'll have another. Okay, like the most I'm drinking on like a night out is three drinks, and that's paced over like a couple of hours. I've had nights. That's where, impressive. Like, why? Self control. I mean, a well, lot of people can't do that, dude. I, when I was in college, I was drinking like I was. Like, like it was my job. Like, Me so too. I knew I was like, Max, cut down. Don't do that. You're an adult. <laughs> like, dude, you know? I'd be passed out shoes on 830 PM. I met one of my best friends in college because the first, literally the first night of college we went, he was like, yo, you drink. I did it. Yo, you drink. Yeah, just hear this out. 
I didn't drink and I was a virgin, right? When I got to college. Yeah, I wasn't fucking. Dude, I only played sports. Like, that was like my life. I was like, I, I want to play sports. And this is the thing. It was like, girls would be like, oh, he's so handsome. And I was like, huh. I got baseball <laughs> practice. I got baseball practice. So were you about like, to go to play college at baseball? No, no. So like, I would like show up to games. I'd play with like friends. But the thing is, I always played sports like on like a fun basis. Like, we played basketball four or five times a week. Not even on a team. Like, we, we would just go hoop at the park. And then on the weekends, we had games for baseball. But it's not like we were practicing baseball during the week. Like, it's got to be pretty tough just to play baseball just for fun. I feel like you'd play in travel leagues and people yeah, would no, get more no. competitive, like, right? But this is the thing is, like, we played just for fun. But in a sense, like, I was still good. Like, right now, like, if I just stepped on a mat, like, I, throw, I could throow gas. Like, I could throw, like, 80-something probably right now. Like, I think if I threw my hardest, I, I could definitely touch 80. And I'm like, I don't even play anymore. Like, I had a good arm. I always played sports, like, well. But I never put like the work in to like hit another level. Like I was good at sports. I was never great at sports. Like I'm great compared to like the average person that like plays whatever. But like for that, I was just like, I just loved playing and I still do. So for me, I was like, yeah, I don't need these hoes, dude. I need fucking. <laughs> so it's like baseball, and basketball, 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 football, everything. It's like we played every single sport. Well, where did you play football though? Like we would play like rough touch leagues for like money. So like we put, we would play like flag leagues and like the pots would be like a couple thousand dollars and it's like, Oh, for the whole team. Yeah. And like we play against like fucking ex cons and shit. Well, like, do you, like, <laughs> you into fantasy football at all? Uh, nah, I like real, real fucking man football. Well, like I, the, fa- the football we play is almost like fantasy. You're like, there's no way this con. I mean, bro, wait, rough touch. Cannons. Is that what you play? Yeah. Rough touch. Is that what it's called? You have dudes who are like, they were like, Shoving loan sharks who probably played D one football and like went to jail and they uh, come back and they're like, huh. I'm going to QB for this rough touch league. Like you play against like elite athletes as well, but it is like, it's competitive, but there's like a fun side to it where it's like, not everybody's training here every, every day of the week. Like we all take it serious when we show up, but during the week, like I got shit to do, you know, but it's fun. Cause you're like, all right, the winner wins a couple of thousand dollars. Are you still doing this? Yeah. Still playing. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I play all there. these leagues. Like we play in a softball league now for money. On like what do you what do you play in the softball softball league? I know a kid who's playing in. um, Well, I know a kid who's playing in McCarran Park. He plays like Monday and Tuesday nights. What field do you use? Oh no, we play in Queens. These Manhattan leagues is (laughs) trash. And you travel back to Queens now here and there, but your family's not there. The rest of my family is like my grandma, my aunt, my cousins, everybody. Like everybody is like we're from Queens, and then uh, so like I'll travel back literally just like on Sundays in Astoria, Queens. No, it's like a little bit deeper. Like so, we we'll go to like Flushing, Cunningham. So I used to. Do you know? Are you familiar with that track in Astoria? I mean, you wouldn't Astoria be. I guess. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I used to run on that like all the time in ninth grade when you I was think homeschooled. Running in a track is uh, boring. I, I mean, that's probably a better way to describe potentially, it. Potentially, sure. potentially. I mean, it depends how many. Just laps. running in a circle, like it blows. Like I can't. I can't. But like do when like you're training treadmill. for it, when you're training like, for it, I can't do a treadmill either. I yeah, can't sit there and run for like, boring. yo, when someone runs 10 miles on a treadmill, I'm like, you have a problem. That's crazy. You should go to therapy. Yeah, because like, you're on it for like an hour and 20. Go outside, get some fresh air. Yeah, it's, it's also, crazy it's to also probably there. not good for your shins. It's not good for your shins at all. But if you were to be... Actually, when you I are, think asphalt is worse. When, that you, has some, when you are training, I would think that if you were to be running on a track, you can do like eight miles, something like that, and you wouldn't get bored and then continue the way. Because no, like a story, no, no. it's pretty over there. Yeah, but eight miles is crazy. Like eight miles What's is what? It's like four, four laps a mile. Yeah, so yeah, 32 laps. 32, yeah, fuck that, dude. It's like, a little tough. I, like, if I run around that track once, like I did jujitsu at Astoria Park like during COVID, and I was like, nice. we trained there, and like they'd be like, hey, do a couple of laps before we like run like drills. Yeah. And so like you'd run like three, four laps, like a mile, and you were like, this is so stupid. What's the longest you've ever ran? Uh, like I've ran like a half marathon before. Yeah. 
I just did that. So like, that's the thing that I did like on a whim where I was like, okay, I could probably do a full. I think really like you were okay with the, whatever it was, 12 miles. And then after that, bro, I ran a fucking, yeah, I ran a half marathon and then I biked home. Like up all uphill in San Diego. Was it, was it like the bro- six miles? Oh, it was in San Diego. I biked like six miles, but like all uphill after I ran this half, and I was like, I didn't even train for this. Like I'm like a dude that like mentally, I I think I I have like a fifth gear. Like you know how? No, I love I, like, that dude. Genuinely though, like no, I, I, I find that. ways to like push myself where I'm like, yo, I will goggins mode. I'll cry. Nah, nah. Like that dude's crazy. Yeah. Like, see, that that's a dude with like a six, seven, eighth gear. Like I could find a another gear. That dude is like. Nothing hurts. I feel no pain. I love life. I think we might see you, though, like tap into that sixth or seventh gear, though, during the marathon. Maybe. Mile 18, 19. And I'm just crying. Dude, I'm, I'm like, coming. I miss my mom. 100%. I'm coming with a freaking mom, dude. <laughs> I'm running. I'm on Let's fucking go, Max. Mile 23. <laughs> mom! This one's for you. Do you plan on having headphones in? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I feel like it, it's going to be a mental game for you if you don't train. But you don't plan on training that much? No, I'm, I'm, I got it. I'll be fine. <laughs> like I'm a person that like, I don't need a million. Cause like I stay active. So like some people, yeah, like, yeah, they'll the be Vikings doing nothing. And then they're like, the I need three months help. of training. And I'm like, I am active all the time. Like if I overtrain, then I'll stress my body out. Like for example, I don't want to work out. I don't want to 10 miles and then have to go play softball the next day and be exhausted for that. So like, it's like, I'm still playing sports during the summer. I'm still like or exercising, yeah. but like to an extent where I'm not going to overwork my body, but probably because the marathon's in November, I play flag football, uh, and I'll probably have like games in October. But like, it's just that. Like, I'll probably only run and play those games. Like you, a month before the marathon, I'm only gonna like train for the marathon. Do you sign? Do you play like zip sports? How do you find these leagues? Uh, we just grew. I mean, I grew up in Astoria, so like. Oh, and like all your friends, everybody kind of like will know a league or something, and they're like, "Yo, I play in this money league, bro. We scraped everybody five thousand, and then like five more teams come next year because like everybody found out about it, and mm-hmm. you're like, well, we can scrape everyone, and then." They want to scrape everyone and they want to. It's like there's so much competitiveness because there's a pot of money in the middle. What are the kind of stuff that your friends you know, the are doing? You put doing. some money in front of grown men. Yeah, bro. Like, forget oh, about it. Then the, then the athlete in them I'll comes fist, out. Yeah, I'll fist fight a panda. Dude. <laughs> what are the kind of stuff that your friends are doing these days? Uh, like professionally? Nothing. <laughs> Interesting. Or like working in the hood? Working in your hood? Selling that. In the uh, hood. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I got friends who are like lawyers, working finance, like a bunch of shit. Yeah. Like everybody went to college. So like, I mean, I studied engineering and like, that wasn't even like a, oh my God, in my friend group. That really? was just kind of like a, yeah, dude, good. You're supposed to. All of us like went to college and studied something. One of my, yeah. One of my best friends is a penis doctor. So maybe, you know, a down the line, it might, it might uh, come um, in handy. Yeah. A urologist rather. Okay. Well, that's a little different. So I, it's the same thing. You, it's just the study of penises. I guess, but like there's penis surgeons though. Yes, you he's know? a penis surgeon. No, no, he's a penis doctor. There's What's a penis the difference? Sur- a well, surgeon is like operating. Yeah, he operates on penises. Yeah, urologist. Yeah, but doesn't doesn't That's that person just like read? What's no, no. He, well, he, I don't know the specific terms, but he just he goes to work on the penises. Like if they need incisions and st- oh my god, that's got to be That's tough. Nuts. But bro, you were about to be a full time engineer. Yeah. And so like, what did so what did your grades look like in college to kind of get to get to that point? Like, did you you were majoring in they it? Were, they were good. <laughs> I don't know. Like, they were just like average. They were just good enough grades to like. Well, get what me kind by. of cl- what kind of classes were you taking? Thermodynamics and shit like that. What is that exactly? If you could potentially describe it to someone who doesn't know what you're talking uh, about, the transfer of heat throughout objects. That's all it was. 
It was like if this wall is 150 degrees and it's made of this material and you put um, fiberglass on the other side, like how hot is the fiberglass going to be if I'm heating up this from three inches that way? And you'd, like, you'd be able to like calculate how much heat is coming, like transferring through the wall into like this piece of plexi or whatever. So is that a construction type or no? No, it was like all types of engineering. Like f- there's so many things that like we studied and did that I was like, this probably won't be applicable to like a lot of things that I do. But like that's kind of just school. Like engineering is like, we're going to teach you everything and then you can go find your exact route. Like I didn't give a fuck about thermodynamics. Dynamics was kind of cool. So dynamics was kind of like a... It was almost like physics. Like there was, uh, it was like movement, motion. And I was like, this isn't more interesting to me. It was like velocities and speeds of like different things moving at different weights and angles and whatever. And I was like, okay, this is cooler for me than like heat transfer. I don't, I'll never do anything that's like heat related. Was your family kind of worried when you left this job? hundred percent, dude. I mean, like I went through school, like real school. And my mom literally would like look at me. Like I, I joke around with like JC and we're like, yo, my mom sold her soul to the devil the second she found out I was doing comedy. Like, my mom was like, take my life, let this kid be successful. I feel please. like that. Because <laughs> my, mom, my mom was healthy, dude, while uh-huh. I studied engineering. The second I got out of it, my mom was like, take me. She looked up and she's like, I'm I feel out. like that's, I mean, that's got to be tough for every parent, though, especially, I mean, you probably spend a lot of money on engineering school, I would think. Yeah, but it's all, I got to pay it. Like, it was never something like she's got to worry about. It's just like my, my mom's an immigrant. And so. She was very just like school and work hard. Yeah. And I was like, you can, you know, you can go to school. You can work hard, but you could also like work hard and smart. It's like I'm limited by like having a boss into what I can do in engineering. I was like, and I'm not knowledgeable enough in this to figure it out to run my own company right now. And in my head, I was like, when I got into comedy, I was like, you feel like I you can could do, do that right now, right? Like I, I, the second I jumped into comedy, I was like. Not only can I like do comedy, I was like, I'll just, I'll figure everything else out. Like numbers make sense. Like I met comedians and people were like, I don't even get how to do the numbers of this. And I was like, you're an idiot. Like, which is, it's fine. Like some people just show up. Like I treat comedy the same way. Like I go to like play basketball at a park. Like some people, like an old head will show up once a week to just run a game on a Saturday. And you're like, yeah, like we'll pick this guy up. He'll do a show. But like, this isn't what he wants to do for the rest of his life. And then some people are like, yo, I train for this, bro. Like, I, I want to go to the league, you know? Like, you want to be, like, the best of the best. And you're like, I'm going to show up at the park, but I'm also going to do work outside the park, and then I'm also going to go there and do this and do that. Do you see Street Talk Comedy having, like, a tour kind of situation where you're going to places like doing San now. Diego, yeah. L.A., and just do it, like, the whole entire summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what we're doing now. So, like, Street Talk was, like, a, just a... It's a way to, like, have a second outlet. So, it's like a club can either book Max Manikoff or they could book Street Talk. Both of them are mine. So, it's like... I get booked through two different outlets. And then once my podcast takes off, it's like, now I can also get booked through that. And like all the outlets lead back to you. Like I think building a network under yourself of like multi, like just being multifaceted in business is like the best way to succeed. Like you need forms of income. Cause like people will look at comedy and they're like, Oh, I only make $800 a month. It's like, yeah, well if you made $800 a month with seven different companies, you're fine. Like, you'll literally be okay. Do you ever have difficulty finding comics in places where the comedy scene isn't so hot? What do you mean? Like, I know you go to places where there are generally, you know, a lot of good comedians. Uh, San Diego, Los Angeles, Austin. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'd have some difficulty if you went to, like, a Michigan? Something like Everyone's that? Everyone's everywhere, though. Like, when we went, like, I've, we'll go on the road. Like, I've gone to, like, Albany and, like, 
I could I run like 30s and 35s. Like if I want to like stretch, I want to go 40 or whatever. Like that's fine. So you feel like the uh, amount of comedians could be less. It could be. F- no, you it could, it could be more. It could be less. Whatever. Like I'd I'd rather put people on like homies, but like if I need to run a show, it's like I'll just bring two people with me. I bring a host and opener, and then I'll just run the fucking long set. Like that's fine. So like I said, it's like they can either book Street Talk or Max, but it's like both outlets I control. Like, I can figure this out. And then, like, friends and, like, people that, like, love comedy. Like, they want to come do the show anyways. I'm giving them opportunities and money. It's, like, it's not like we're paying people insane. But, like, there's only so much you could pay people when you're doing a venue of, like, 100 people compared to, like, the day I do, like, a fucking theater. Like, if I do, like, a theater for Street Talk and we do 1,300 people. Yeah, that's you know? a different story. Yeah. And then, like, this has, that's the thing is, like, you can grow your own show and then you can also grow your personal outlet. What's been your highlight so far? Not even for street talk, maybe just for Max Mantikoff. Comedy. Um, I know you did like Funny Bone in Albany, but I know you've done a lot of cool shit. So what's what's been the highlight? I don't, I don't really have like a thing. Like a standing out. I'm like, I'm weird because like I walk around, like I'm like a confident person, like when I walk around. Uh, but like when it comes to stand up, I look at every set and I'm like, ah, oh, that could have been better. That could have been better. That could have been better. Like that's the only way I think. And it, it's like a good thing, but it's a bad thing. Cause like I take it home with me and I'm like, that fucking sucked. And someone's like, yo, you just cooked up. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, this one line didn't hit as hard as I wanted. Like, I'm very... On to the next thing. No, like, I, I pinpoint every single thing that's more bad than, like, I focus on, like, the good. So, like, I just want everything to be, like, really, really good. And because I don't, like, settle for, like, an okay shit, like, I think every set just gets better and better. Like, when I work around killers and I watch someone, like, explode a room, I'm like, okay, game time. What's your kind of mindset when you like host a show at the sand like last night? I know you had like killer lineups. What's your kind of mindset there? Are you trying new stuff on the top? No, no. I mean, half, half. Like, it's a club. So, like, you're limited to that. So, like, when I do a bar show, whatever, you run whatever the fuck you want, new shit. Like, it's more like I'll add like new tags and stuff to jokes, but like, I'm not going to run brand new shit and like fuck up someone's show. It's like there's other comics up there. Like, there's other people that you got to like bring up. Like last night I was like exhausted and I was like, yo, let's just fucking run this, do it correctly and then get the fuck out of here. And cause I, I ran everywhere. Like I went to Broadway before that. It was a really good show for my buddy's old hand. And then I came to the stand. I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm tired at this point. Where do you From find yourself? Biking, where do you find yourself running the most new stuff? Like bar shows and shit, like independence. So like when you book like an independent gig and they're like, yo, you want to come do this bar show and you show up and there's fucking eight people. You're like, this is exactly yeah. where I'm going to talk about Helen Keller, you know, or like mm-hmm. whatever you just thought of that day and you're like, let me just fucking explore this stupid idea. So how does your career look moving forward? And also how does street talk comedy look moving forward? I don't know. That's all, I guess in the hands of like consistency. Like if I just stay consistent with it, it'll be good. That's all it is. Like, I don't look too much in like the middle, the five year plan. I'm just like the overall plan is like the best at everything. Like, I think it's the only way you kind of should take something where you're like, man, like you take the L's as lessons, not losses. Right. Sure. That's actually not bad. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) And also, like, you're talking about in terms of not looking at, like, a five-year plan. Like, you want to be doing this the rest of your life. Yeah, I also just don't want to take losses. Like, I just look at everything as, like, just fucking go hard. Like, because that's what I did. Like, the thing is, I learned my lesson with sports. So, it's, like, sports are something that I loved. And I never, like, went super hard at them. Like, I was just telling you. It was, like, I did it for fun. Uh And I'm, like, growing up, having experienced that for, like, years. And then being, like, oh, shit, like... I never got to play like high division baseball, even like maybe minor league because I didn't put in work. I feel that way too, man. Like for tennis, I just never felt like I took it really seriously. I had every opportunity in the world to take it seriously. You know, like my parents paying for all that tennis throughout the week, Um, even like going to college and having all these opportunities. I just was never super 
maybe passionate about it or I just didn't take it serious. Yeah. And then like, I feel like I got to a point, like when I started comedy, I was like, Oh, it's yeah, not just like, I can fun. figure this out, but I was like, I can also like do this to the best of my ability. And like, that's the only thing that I think about every day. Like I don't get off and I'm not like, Oh, this guy sucks. That guy sucks. Like if someone has a bad set, I'll tell them they had a bad set. That's fine. I think like you gotta be real with the whole thing, but I genuinely like judge myself and that's it. Like, I don't look at someone else and I'm just like, oh, like, I'll judge them in regards to, like, if they're like, yo, can I do your show? I'm like, I, I can't, dude. Like, I just have, like, a certain, like, criteria and, like, I bring my homies on and whatever, like, for that. So, like, that's where people think you're an asshole when you're like, yo, you can't do my show. And people are like, why not? And I'm like, because I'm putting my fucking, my funny friends on, for one. I don't fucking know this guy. Number two, I'm like, I saw you and it was, eh. I'm like, there's no reason. There's like, you don't even click on one of the buttons, you know? Whereas like, but for myself, like on stage is the only thing that like I look at every single time, like introspectively. Cause like you don't see everyone. Mm -hmm. You see yourself every night. You can listen to your set every night. So I'm like, let me just get my shit really good and figure it out. Do you book people without having seen them before? Maybe if they have a good reputation, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. To an extent though, like I, this whole industry is very like, what can you do for me? So I see it as like, let me work with people that like, I like their work already because I'm like, that inspires me, you know, like in this, you only grow by the people you're inspired by. Like when I watch like comics, I'm like, that guy's a beast. Like I don't even have to know you, but like it inspires me how good you are. And I'm like, I want to get there and more. Like I watch people as like the bar. I don't watch them as competition. I watch them as like, all right, this is where it's at now. This is where you want to get yeah. to. I'm like, okay, you set the level here. Like, this is now the lowest level I want to ever get to. And hosting at the stand a few nights a week, I mean, you get to see the best comics in the world. Best comics, work, through, work with them, but, like, also, like, you get to kill on the same stage. Like, I think there's something kind of cool about everybody having big names, you not having a name, and then people coming up to you after and being like, you're the funniest motherfucker I've ever seen. And you're like, fire. Thank you, man. Because, like, part of it, like, you could take with you, and you're like, that's not real. But then part of you could take it, and you're like, maybe I am. Like, you know, so, like, I sit in this middle where, like, I don't take every compliment and everything people say just for, like, what it is. I always just kind of sit in the middle with everything and, like, cruise by. So part of me is like, oh, they probably just haven't seen enough comedy. But then part of me is also like, oh, damn, you could really, you could really hang. Like, you got this. Like, yeah. just fucking Like, do the it. more spots you get anywhere, like, you're going to get better and better and better. And then, like, I think going on the road helps you more than anything. Like people always talk about like working in your city and like, that's one thing. Cause like you're only hitting one demographic of people. That's kind of what's cool about New York is you can go to Brooklyn, you can go to Manhattan, you can go to Queens and it's like different groups of people. Definitely. And then also the same thing, like you can go on the road, like you can go to fucking Oklahoma and it's probably gonna be very different than, you know, uh, New Mexico and then very different from Miami and then very different from San Diego. And like everywhere you start to go, you're like, okay, this shit, this shit is proven everywhere. I take it. Like this is, this is a banger. And even if it doesn't like murder in your city, you're like, okay, but everywhere I take this, it hits. And like, you start to realize you have proven shit. Whereas like, if I talk about the E-train in fucking Louis- Louisiana, Louisiana. <laughs> someone's like, what are you talking about? Like, this guy's on crack. 53rd Street? <laughs> you ever get off on 53rd? And someone's like, no. How often are, I mean, how different are your sets then? If you, like when you traveled to, when you went to the Funny Bone in Albany, how different is your set then? A regular it's night. Not, it's not. It's because like a lot of my jokes are just me. They're not local shit. Like I don't talk about like. Like the I was on the train. Yeah, like, like yeah. fucking. Yo, I this hate guy. when it skips a stop, and everyone's like, ah, 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 Yeah, ah. I don't fucking. I don't know, man. I don't take the train. Do you have a bar mitzvah? I did not. I did, but did not. Like they did the whole. So you uh, had the party. You had the fun part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I'm a man. Like when you turn 13? Yeah, they're like, here, cut the cake. Now, like, you could do, like, the tour readings. Like, I went to, like, Jew school and whatnot. But, yes. Like, I never felt like I, like, Jew did school. the thing. Hebrew school. You know? Yeah. And it's called Jew school. And, and you spend a lot of time in Shea Stadium <laughs> before City Field? Shea Stadium. Yeah, yeah, I did, actually. Yeah. You ever play there? That Baseball? No, I wish. I've been on the field, though. What, you, like, toured the field? No, I was just, like, on the field because, like, they brought kids on the field. I think this is a sick little moment. And then I remember grabbing grass and putting it in my pocket. And then I lost it. <laughs> and you took the job being a ball boy at the U.S. Open because your friends wanted to be ball boys at the U.S. Open. How did you get that job, that gig, when you were younger? Uh, nah, I just, like, I played baseball, and, like, I was 14, and they were like, yo, there's tryouts. And I was like, I'll go try out, man. And I showed up to tryouts, and they're like, this guy's got a fucking cannon on him. Like, they were, like, one hopping, and there was people throwing, like, yeah. And I was just fucking throwing missiles across. You weren't at the net? You were at the baseline? Yeah, I was back. So there's net and then there's backs. Yeah. Was, uh, your boy was a back. And they just put, what, the fast kids at the net? Bro, I'm, I mean, I'm talking like I was throwing like piss missiles, dude. Like <laughs> like, like people would throw. Arthur Ashe. So like all you had to do was like get it there on like one hop. Yeah. So like people would like, who didn't have arms, would be like, uh, and like they throw it and bro, like sometimes like it bounced and like it'd go over you and you're like, that guy's never working on Ash. Like, like that guy sucks. And then it'd be like me who like played baseball and like across, I would just fucking throw line drives that would just bing, bing, like hit people in the chest. And people were like, all right, we're going to put this kid in fucking ash. Dude. <laughs> bro, that's like, so interesting that you didn't really have any interest in tennis. Though. Zero. <laughs> like, did you get more into it as you were watching Not it that close all. up? I mean, like I'd watch matches in regards to like, let's see who wins because like I got uh, to watch most of the tournament. So it's like as the tournament gets deeper, the people who like love tennis and work there longer, they'll do like the championship match. Yes. Like they weren't putting me like at like the finals because it was like these people love tennis. Plus they've been doing it forever, you know, but like I'd work pretty deep. I'd work into like quarters and they were like, yeah, he's got a fucking good arm. Like they put me like uh, court 16 got changed into like a big stadium. Yeah. 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 So like that happened while I was working there. It was like the year before and like they removed that court and. And then, like, they made a stadium the next year, and, like, then they started having bigger matches there. You had Ash, you had the other what, one. They, what, they pay you, like, 15 an hour and free lunch? Is that how it works? Uh, no, it was less than that. It was probably, like, less than 10,000 hours at a time. It but was would like they give you free wage. lunch or no? Because I know lunch is, like, 20 bucks. Then. Yeah, so they give you, like, a $20 card to eat. Okay. And then um, if you worked over eight hours, you got $40 to eat, which is kind of cool. Did you roll it over to the next day or no? Well, what people would do is like with the $40, like people would go and like buy merch instead. Sometimes people would be like, yeah, I'm just going to bring a sandwich to you and I'm going to go buy merch. And I was like, that's genius. And then the umbrellas are freaking $60, dude. One time I got caught in the rain on the way out of there. I was like, oh, guess I need a $60 umbrella. <laughs> the US Open is fresh though, man. I was there like two weeks ago. I went on Arthur Ashe Stadium. My buddy who owns the, the pro shop right next to Arthur Ashe Stadium yeah. uh, has full access to like the whole place. So we were out there doing like racket Dude, reviews. tennis players are fucking assholes, man. Yeah, man. Well, I it's an individual sport. Del Potro used to just you know? throw you his towel when it was like sweaty. Like if he was losing, he'd be like, "Don't they all do that?" But like I'd catch the towel. And I'd like, <laughs> I was like, "I'm one of you, dude. Like I'm your people." You like, I was like, "My K? mom is from Argentina, dude." Like it, people say, I look like him. Really, bro? I have these. I have these tennis passes. This is like when I was a player guest, and I used to be um, hitting partners. That was for a lot of U.S. That's Opens, actually, sick. bro. So have, was this when you were working? 2009, 2007. Let's see. I have other ones. 2007? Uh, yeah, bro. 2017. I also have. Uh, let me you see. Then? It was, I worked there like five or six years, years ago. ago. Yeah, probably like 2009. Yeah, bro. So I was hitting partners for some of these people. 
That's that so was sick. that was a fun time in my life. Tennis, it was fun, like, growing up and playing it just because, like, you travel so much more than kind of any other sport by yourself. You know, like, basketball, maybe you had, like, AAU team. Baseball, if you were really good, you'd travel as well. But, like, seeing parts of the country that I otherwise wouldn't, it's kind of cool, even though it was just kind of in the middle of nowhere. I had a moment, yo, one time where I was, like, on the court and I was, like, blacking out because it was too hot. <laughs> oh, my God, like, that I'm, happens, I Dude, bet. I was up there and, like, I, I started to see nothing and I was, like... <laughs> Bro, I'm a ball boy. You got to have your hands behind your back. And I was sitting there and I was just like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm dizzy, like middle man. of the fifth set. Like, like, yeah, like during the points, like they're like, they're playing like for their, for everything, like yeah. all, all the marbles. And I'm just in the back. I'm like, there were definitely a couple kids when you were working who passed out. Well, like, no, no, like never on the court, but like I was oh. probably was the closest that I've ever been on, like on a court, but like I ran and like, we have to hold the umbrellas. And as we're holding the umbrellas, I like, I told, I told like the guy who's like, the crew chief of like the ball boys, like yeah. on that court, usually it's like a veteran been doing it. And I was like, dude, I need water and a Gatorade. I was like, I'm going to fucking black out. And he, he looks at me, he goes, you better not. <laughs> Suck it up, man. No, he just goes, yeah, better not. And I was like, wait, but when, I would, want to. when would you eat, excuse me, when would you drink water or drink Gatorade? After matches and shit. Like, oh yeah. Like not even between like the tennis players get it. Like every change. Bro, they get, yeah, they get like a change. And then they also like get fresh water. Like we had like this Gatorade cooler where they were like, it was warm. I mean, we hope it's been, <laughs> hopefully today. there's ice. Yeah. In we there. hope they change it today. And then you like, we'll drink from it and it's like shit water. So you have any interest in going back to the U S open? As I mean, a I'd, fan? Work it, I'd work it for the, uh, for the clothing. Like, well, you had like those polo suits, right? Dude, I still have them. But like, when can you, when can you wear it though? Huh? When can you wear it outside it's, of the U.S. Open? It's sweatpants and. Uh, Is it like with the big guy playing polo on the back of it? What do you mean? Like the on the back of a jacket, there's just like a big horse and the guy yeah, playing yeah, polo yeah, yeah, on yeah. it. You can wear those out though. Yeah. Like it doesn't look out there was, of place. There was a point, like when I was younger, like kids would show up with those at, um. Like to like school and stuff. Like sell it or just be No, cool. just like to be wearing them. And so, cause like, yo, they were like $150 shirts. Right, like, right, 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 right. So they were expensive. So expensive. And then the resell after for the people that didn't use them were like 250 And so people would wear them. And in my head, I was like, I just got this shit at home, bro. And like, I think I wore it out maybe once or twice. I would just like wear it. And I was like, this feels like I'm at work. <laughs> what was your best like experience? Them, because as they never worked there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, nothing, dude. Like, like there uh, wasn't anything cool. Like maybe Del Potro and you. Became friends after he no, threw the just towel. like one of the only moments that I remember. I, I I think I told you this. I did James Blake's last match ever. Yeah, against Agassi. Yeah, I did his or no, 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 someone else. Ferrer, sick. And then I did his like last last match ever. I just remember sitting there like he got a crazy applause. We we're sitting there. And I was like, this is like a sick ass moment. Like there was certain matches that we did where I was like, this is like life changing, dude. Like because like you get to do you see that for yourself at all. You're like, all right, this will be for me in 10 years. You know, it's crazy. I don't see it now, but like, I guess maybe like while yeah, I was in it, like too, I never bro. I just realized, got goosebumps. Yeah. But like maybe because I sat there, I envisioned. And like, like you see that spotlight right in your face and you're like, huh. You're like, right, I'm here. Moving. People are looking at me, dude. They don't really care about the match. They're looking at your me. hands are behind <laughs> your back. Now, nah, you know, it's like the most fun though. Like we like catch serves like before they start. Oh shit. And, and they were, that, that was pretty intense. Yeah, bro. They're hitting on like one thirty. Yeah. But the best part about it was like your boy was cold at baseball. Yo, I would just <laughs> short hop him and like legitimately there'd, Crow be, people hop the, to there'd the, be people on the, the side field. who were like, yo, it's pretty fucking good. You, you, ever get, you ever get hit by a, ser- a serve or uh, a ball? No, no, no. Like if a ball was coming, you'd just be like quick. Yeah. Fucking just move out the way. Yeah. Any of those line judges ever get in your way or get mad at you? No. Because they're moving a lot back. No, there. I think that, like, it was more of, like, nets. Like, we're fine. Like, as backs, like, we literally stay, like, in the corners. 
and then just like wait with the balls. Like it's our job was like easy. You just got to be able to throw the ball. What do you across. mean? What do you mean the guys at the nets? Like at the net, you have the two people who like run across yeah. and the ball hits the net. They also got to get it. Like if it's like on the sides, like the only time we get it is literally when it goes like past or like it goes into the crowd. And then we're like, yo, right well, sometimes here. both of you kind of run for the ball, right? Not usually, but well, like what's you make the, the quick decision. What, yeah. What's the rule there? Is it just like always go for the ball? Don't ever think twice. Yeah. It's like grab the ball, get back. Hurry up. Like, like you're not thinking like, oh, is that the Nets ball or is that the baselines ball? You just always just head for yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah. If it's and like then any sometimes sort of question. like the ball, like let's say like the ball is still rolling towards you and like a net is running towards it. She'll like pick it up and then run and come stand next yeah, to you. Yeah, stand next back. to you in the back. And then like she'll just be like, like oh, dude, I love it. You know all this <laughs> shit, dude. I was a ball boy for a summer when I was like 12 years old for World Team Tennis in Long Island. It was fun, yeah. but it's a little bit terrifying. I mean, it was like I was 11 or 12 years old and they were hitting 130 bombs. Yeah. I was like, I had to dodge and duck. I loved it. Dodge, duck, dick, dive. I loved and it in regards to just like, it felt like a sport where I was like, I'm getting paid for like fucking around. And like I said, like I almost passed out one time. <laughs> like that, that, yo, that time was legit insane because like there was a point where I was blacking out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think. It, it might, have, well, Matt. it might have been like Andy Roddick or something. Like, it was oh like, my god! There was like there was like a big match going on. It was like legitimately like a like a big match, and I was just sitting there and I was like, that never made yeah, you excited I'm, though, I'm man. Like up. watching a guy like Andy Roddick play and like breathe all over the court, like huh, huh, huh. Max. Let me get the towel. No, I never fired you up. Nah, I would just like watch them and I was like, yeah, this is cool. But like, was it just the sport that just didn't get you going? Like, I'm sure if maybe you were a ball boy for baseball or something like that you get more excited right well like as a ball boy that like had zero interest in tennis i was like i'm just gonna cheer for the guy who's nicer to me or girl Valid. you know so like like the people who were like oh here's a towel like and like they were or nice thank about you it. Oh, thank you so much yeah like little shit or like at the end like they'd come up to you and they're like yo thank you thank you like win or lose i was like that person's fucking awesome like kim kleister's like she was super sweet uh um, nice fucking god i'm trying to remember bro she made like a comeback in uh like 2010 or 11 and she, like she after like a baby or something well came kim kleister's yeah it was kim kleister's yeah she had a baby and she, she had made, a baby and came, made it came yes back, yeah yeah, yeah. so she, and she won the open when yes, she came back right right and she was just a fucking sweetest person in the world who like, was she, terrible Sharapova, a bitch dude yeah, yeah i've heard bad things like about her. yeah she's just she just wasn't and you know what it is like it's not that she was a bitch it was just like she gets too frustrated and then like takes it out on like whatever's happening and i was like i this is this is fucked. You're like, I didn't do anything to you. How about on the men's side? Any cool guys or people that were just nightmares to work with? I mean, James Blake and Ferrer, both like professionals. Like that, honestly, Ferrer at the time, he was like top five. Yeah. Like when he beat James Blake. Yes. And so like everybody knew Ferrer was going to win, but they're like, this is James Blake's last match. Like maybe he shows up, you know? And, uh, but Ferrer was like one of the top guys who was just like a sweetheart. Like Djokovic, very, very sweet. Ferrer, big bike guy after the match, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, he also smoking close to a pack of cigarettes per day being an athlete. I was like, this is unheard yeah. of. Five sets, be on the bike, smoke heaters after the freaking match. <laughs> it's like, what? Superhuman. Some of these tennis players, man, are great athletes. Yeah. But like, we'd work with like all... T- oh, we fucking... Who was the black dude who... uh Monfique? Monfique. Gael Monfique. He's dude, most fun to watch. He was the fucking man, yeah. bro. He was legitimately like, he was a dude that everybody like rooted for, but you're like, oh, this guy's also a sweetheart. Yeah. Like mad cool, just like a nice guy on the court, off the court. And he was a dude that like everyone wanted to see. I got to do like one or two of his matches and I was like, this guy's the man. He's just so athletic too, right? Wildly athletic, like super fast. Yeah. And like, you know, never climbed into like that top five, 
but like was always just like a good player, always gave always the good threat. players a good match. Exactly. He was always a threat to like beat you. You had to show up because that dude showed up. So when was the last time um, you had this show? Probably like, huh? When was uh, the last probably time Probably like 2013 or something. So I'm trying to think of like who in the latter stages Maybe of like their career. Second year of high school, third year of high school. So you didn't see guys like Nick Kyrgios. No, that was probably too recent. You know him? No. I'm trying to think who else. Federer, you ever play? You ever ball boy for Federer? No. Djokovic? Uh, yes, Djokovic and Nadal both. Yeah, love that. Never did Federer. Wasn't all crazy with you, uh, like his rituals and stuff. No, no, he just he actually. I think it was like early. I got him like an early tournament game, so like he just busted the dude's ass. Like there was no, no need for like slowing fear. down and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Because he'll like center his water bottles to like have the label facing out towards the court. Crazy shit like oh, that. Really? Like not touch the baseline after he wins a point. Or like take an extra step, stuff like that. Tennis players and rituals. It's like a lot of what a lot of what you're taught as a junior to have like a lot of rituals in tennis. It's kind of like golf, I guess. Cause like every single shot matters. Yeah. You know, like golf more so. Cause like if you hit the ball, I don't know, all the way to the right, whatever, I don't know the golf term. Somebody else fucking four, it's tough to get it back on the green and then, you know, get par and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Are you playing sports a lot um, outside of these leagues? Uh, no, like just for fun. Uh, actually not baseball or anything, but like basketball, like, but like basketball, basketball something also, that like, you could just yeah, go to, go to a park. Like, so I just play pickup once or twice a week, like, and it's relaxing. It's fun. It's cool. And I, I want to get I back like into it, bro. You have to hit me up. My I only problem to. is like, like I play hard. Like I hate playing with people that like are hacking are not playing defense or just like not knowing how to play basketball. Like I go hard. So it's like, I want to go to parks where like people are hooping, like for real. You go down to West Forest street, the cage at all. They have good games there. Pickup games. West Forest, West Forest street, neither comedy seller. Like Patrick, no, Bever- like Patrick Beverly stopped by the other day. I've seen that people play there, but yeah. like, it's such a small court. Yeah, it, like, it is small. Like it's, it's something that I think people go to because it's known. But yeah. It's just, just like better famous course on in Manhattan. Like, yeah, like you can go hoop in the lower East side and lower East side is like popping. Yeah. What the fuck? Dude? What's going on there? I don't know. I can't. I'm in trouble getting out of your, out of your shorts. Are those Nike shorts? Uh, yeah. Oh, Jordan, let me see. Fresh, bro. Max, by the way, man, that hat is for you. If you'd like it, the Ted Jones World Podcast, man. This has been great. What else you got for us, bro? Where uh, can we find you in the upcoming weeks? Well, Street Talk, just that, yeah, just San Diego, LA, New York. Uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. I mean, I'll just have like spots around the city and shit. But you guys can follow me on Instagram, uh, Max Manikoff, right here, dude. Oh. Thank you for having me, bro. Thank Appreciate you so much for coming it, on. Right? Yeah. That's it. We'll no, wrap okay. it up. Yeah. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Max Manikoff uh, and then Street Talk Comedy. And thank you for having me on, bro. Absolutely. Max Manikoff, thank you so much for coming on. Follow this guy. He's freaking hilarious. Peace. Peace.